Hello and welcome to this week's Strange Pathways. I am your host, Scott Mord. I've had a good week. I hope you're having a great week, too. I, uh, I downloaded Tubi for my TV. And this week, caught up on a ton of the Seth Breedlove documentaries, especially loving Invasion on Chestnut Ridge. Probably just because I live so close to the Chestnut Ridge myself. I've I've had a lot of odd experiences up on the Chestnut Ridge and the surrounding areas. So definitely, if you get the chance, check out that documentary. Also, Stan Gordon. It's it's pretty much the Stan Gordon documentary. And to me personally, like Stan Gordon is such a huge hero of mine. Uh, I've met him twice. Just the friendliest man you've ever wanted to meet in your entire life. So please, check out, honestly, anything Stan Gordon does, and, and especially Invasion on Chestnut Ridge. Our first tale is going to take us all the way back to June 6, 1980. Zygmunt Adamski, he's, he's a coal miner, and he's, he's getting up there. He's not super old. He's 56 years old. But he, he's, he's going to leave his home in West Yorkshire. Specifically, his home is in Tingley, West Yorkshire. And Zygmunt Adamski, he's going to go do some shopping. And that's the last anybody's ever going to see Zygmunt alive. Three days later, his body is going to be found on top of a 10-foot-high pile of coal, 20 miles away in the town of Todd Morden. Local police officer Alan Godfrey is sent to investigate. He finds that Adamski is wearing his suit, but his shirt, his wallet, and watch are all missing. It gets weirder. Adamski's hair is has been cut. It's been cropped, and it's it's kind of cropped in a in a really rough way, almost like. They didn't use a razor or a pair of shears, but instead just like quickly did it with scissors and tried to even it out. It's very roughly cut. Even though Adamski's been missing for three days, he's only got a single day's growth on his beard. And then on top of that, Alan Godfrey, he's looking around. And he looks at Adamski's neck and his head and his shoulders. And there's burns. There are burns that you can tell they're burns, but there are no burns that, that Officer Godfrey has ever seen. Zygmunt Adamski's body is turned over to Coroner James Turnbull. And he looks at these burns and he goes... These have been treated with some kind of ointment that I can't identify. And they go, uh, what do you think he died from? And Coroner Turnbull goes, I think this man has been frightened to death. It's, it was a big mystery. And it remains a mystery to this day. Nobody has ever solved the case of Zygmunt Adamski's death. And there are theories. 
uh, KGB, struck by lightning. Uh, but there had been strange lights seen in the sky. So a lot of people were thinking, maybe this guy was killed by extraterrestrials. And Officer Godfrey had even said, I'm open-minded, I can't rule it out. Did Adamski get killed by aliens on purpose, accidentally? Who knows? And, and any other time, that's where we'd put an end to this case. But five months later, Officer Godfrey is sent out at five in the morning. He, he's dealing with uh, escaped cattle. And he drives down the road and he sees it. He sees an unidentified flying object. A bright light in the sky. Uh, he said it was rotating, diamond-shaped, 20 feet high, 14 feet wide. Godfrey, not having a camera, mem remember this is quite a while back. Godfrey doesn't have a camera, but he makes a quick sketch of the object in his notebook and then calls the incident in. But he picks up the radio, lines dead. Poof, there's this bright flash. Godfrey is now sitting in his car 30 yards further down the road. And 25 minutes later, than it had been just moments before. His boot is split open. And you know what? You got to take everything into account. He's got an itchy spot, a little mark on his foot. Godfrey is really shook up. I've never had missing time, but whew, that would be that would be rough. I've experienced something close to it where I was about for about three nights. And this is, this is just, this is psychology. I don't think anything unexplained happened to me, but I'd be lying in my bed. I'd look over at my clock and it would say midnight. And then I'd look over again. All of a sudden it was six in the morning. There was no sensation of ever falling asleep. So just that, just that it, it bothered me that, and you know, that's easy to, well, you fell asleep and it just doesn't feel like you slept, but like in the middle of all of this to lose 25 minutes, it would be, it would be troublesome to say the least. Godfrey goes back to where he had seen the light and the road where his car had been dry now it had been raining but it's dry he gets out of the car bravely i might add looks around finds the cows but these cows had not been there before he saw the light in the sky and say it with me now whenever he reports this He's made fun of. 
He, people say he's making it up or losing his mind. Instead of being taken seriously, he's ridiculed. Over and over and over again. When are, when are we as a society going to stop? Because obviously something's happening. I, I do these stories. I do, what, two, two or three every week? I have a list on my computer that I could do two or three a day for about five years and never slow down. When are we going to start taking this seriously? When are we going to stop making fun of these poor people? It's infuriating. Something's going on. But we as a society make fun of them. Godfrey decides, being the good cop that he is, he needs to get to the bottom of this. So he goes to see a hypnotist. Under hypnosis, Godfrey says, I I was blinded by how bright this thing was. I passed out. And whenever I woke up, I'm in this strange room being examined by these these little creatures there's there's many of these little creatures and a tall humanoid figure with a beard the story as stories often do they they get leaked to the newspapers it becomes international news godfrey is called into his inspector's office the chief of police if you will In the office, once again, here it comes. You know what's coming, and I know what's coming. There's a man in a dark suit and tie. This man introduces himself as the man from the ministry. And this man from the ministry, he he has a file containing all of Godfrey's drawings of the strange craft. Godfrey's not allowed to see the rest of the file. He's he's made to swear to the Official Secrets Act that he would not talk to anyone about what he'd seen, to which he reluctantly agrees. Over the next few days, Godfrey keeps running into this man in black. He eventually, like, he runs into the man from the ministry in a local pub and he goes up to him and goes clear off stop it stop following me this man godfrey tip of the hat to you the guts the man in black the man from the ministry disappears never seen again Godfrey doesn't believe he was an MI5 agent or from the ministry or an alien. He thinks that this man was from the West Yorkshire police. And just to tell him, you know, following him around, trying not to draw any more attention. Because at the time, there was a serial killer, the Yorkshire Ripper. They were getting a lot of bad publicity over not being able to catch the serial killer. And, I mean, it would look bad, wouldn't it? 
according to the social stigmas we have. No, of course they're not catching the serial killer. They're too busy chasing lights in the sky. It's heartbreaking. And it keeps going on. Godfrey is telling the truth. He's gone under hypnosis, but he's still seen as an embarrassment to the police force and is transferred to Wakefield. And he's hounded out of the police. He himself said, I wish I'd never seen the UFO, particularly because of the effects on my children. It's not easy having a policeman as a father, but when it's a policeman who's seen a UFO, it's even worse. God, that just, that tears at you, doesn't it? It tears at you. So we have these two incidents in the 1980s, right? 40 years, for 40 years now, strange objects have been seen over the sky of this area. There, there was a, uh, this was one year, this was one year after Godfrey's experience, uh, a, a Todd Morden local, Vicki Dinsdale, she was out walking her dog, she was with her grandfather, they're just having a great time. And they see a long, thin, diamond-shaped object. This thing, it's up in the sky. It's bright. Keeps changing color. What does Vicky's grandfather tell her to do? Vicky's grandfather was a former sergeant in the army. What does he tell her to do? Keep your mouth shut. Look what happened to Godfrey. He actually mentions Godfrey by name. Don't tell anybody about this. Think about what happened to Officer Godfrey. It's it's sad on so many levels. Godfrey lost his job. Lost his credibility. He lost the respect of people around him. Zygmunt Adamski lost his life. Godfrey lost his family, lost his home, slid into alcoholism. He still swears that what happened to him that night is the truth. His own words. His own words. This was a nuts and bolt craft, not a trick of the mind. This is back in 2014. Godfrey is talking to an audience in Halifax. He, he goes on. I've never seen anything like it. I would swear in the Bible it was from somewhere else. These things have been seen so many times above Todd Morden. They call the area UFO Alley. I mean, it's obvious to me something's going on. It should be obvious to really anyone else. Something's going on. A man ruined his life. No, I'm going to take that back. His, he didn't ruin his life. His life got ruined. This was a good cop trying to do his job. And because of that, because of the ridicule, 
instead of taking this man and getting him the help he needs, he was made fun of. He shifted around. This is not some this is not some priest doing horrible things. This is a cop doing his duty, being a good cop. And this this is his reward. This is his reward for telling the truth. It's despicable. It's despicable the way we treat people who've had these encounters. Our next tale is going to take us back to the summer of 1961, all the way to Spain. It's around 11 p.m., and there's a truck driver by the name of Archimedes Sanchez. That's a name. That's a name. They're, they're finding their way through the Basque Mountains, which are not safe roads for a truck driver to be on. These mountains are in the Spanish province of Vizcaya. Sanchez and his riding partner, he, he doesn't want to be revealed. They're, they're nearing Puerto de Barazar. They're, they're going to unload the goods in the truck. They're going to get some rest. That's whenever their, their high beams hit something perched at the base of a sharp embankment on the side of the road. Sanchez slams the brake. And they're stunned. They're stunned. They, what they're seeing is a hairy octopus, about three to four feet tall, covered in a shaggy coat of rust-collared hair. This thing, it, it sees them, it covers its round glowing eyes with one of its four tentacle-like arms, but just stays there. It, it doesn't move. It's caught in the glare. And whatever, whatever this thing is, it's obviously uncomfortable with bright lights on it. These truckers just sit there. The creature just sits there. For several minutes. Until finally fear. Fear just grips Sanchez by the soul. And he tells his friend. His his rider companion. Get the jackhammer out of the back of the truck. And go kill this thing. There's a little bit of a fight back and forth. His, his buddy doesn't want to get out of the truck. But finally, finally, his friend goes, yes. At that point, Sanchez throws the truck into reverse, gets some space between him and this hairy octopus, and then drives straight towards the creature. He hits the brakes, stops a few feet away from it. And then he starts to realize, oh, this, this creature is not able to climb up this, uh, this embankment behind it. All it can do is shuffle back slightly as the truck pulls forward. Sanchez, terrified, 
backs the truck up, charges this thing a few more times, but he is too afraid to leave the vehicle. Another truck barrels past them, and what what they started to term octo-squatch, this driver never even reacted like he's seen it. And then finally, they kind of reach an impasse. Sanchez and his partner, they... They're afraid, this creature's afraid, but unable to escape. They decide, you know what? We're not going to kill this. It's not going to run away. We're too afraid. Let's just finish our job. The men finish their run and leave the creature behind. It's a one-off. It's, it never happened again. Archimedes Sanchez didn't report this right away. So, of course, by the time he's telling the story, any trace of Octosquatch is, is long gone. Our last tale is going to take us all the way back to 2013. Albany, New York. Now, this was reported by an investigator in Georgia, Aubrey Bowen. Aubrey spoke to an anonymous man recently. This man said that he and his friend, uh, his friend's driving, they'd become lost trying to take a shortcut. And then, and then they started to have car trouble. They, they found themselves, they were trying to get back to the University of Albany, but they find themselves on these, the back roads of rural New York. And this is somewhere between 10 and 11 p.m. in the summer of 2013. As they're driving, they, they see something out of the corner of their eye. It, it came off the driver's side. And it's it's something huge. He goes he looks over his friends and goes, chill. His friend slows down, and as he's slowing down the headlights, it's it they hit something. It's it's a deer, but it's not really a deer. It's physical form is that of a deer but it's massive 12 feet tall 9 feet long an elk an elk sometimes they can get 9 a moose can get about 10 but 12 feet this creature was in the middle of the road. It took, it takes, it takes two steps and it just stands there, turns its head slightly towards the men. 
doesn't he doesn't get the feeling that the dear not dear was looking at them but it's looking at the light and he said the thing that kind of got him the most about it was the antlers he said the antlers the the eyes they were just it was something different they were kind of twisted they looked like deer antlers but in a weird sense they were like doe and he said you know you know how you can twist pretzels into different shapes it was like somebody did that but with antlers and the eyes were white now this didn't have anything to do with eye shine the eyes are white deer eyes are are black now the, he said he didn't think it was eye shine because remember this thing is 12 feet tall so the lights aren't really hitting it the lights are kind of like midway up at best they didn't drive any closer slowed down they stopped they were pretty distant from it they they were looking up to it they were white eyes not black eyes white to make things stranger the creature's fur is black and silver to to the witness's credit he says i could be mistaken on that he's he's talking it up hey maybe it was the headlights maybe no i'm looking at this creature for seven seconds tops it's night times maybe the headlights made it look black and silver but it looked black and silver the creature's face is a little bit flat it looks like a deer but it's it's uh, it's odd He's seen moose, he's seen elk, he's seen regular deer. It's none of these things. His friend and him, in their their hearts, they chalk this up to being a spirit animal. Because it couldn't really have been anything else. Once again, just like the octosquatch. It's a one-off cryptid. Even though there are more reports of people seeing not deer. But I'm not, I'm not quite certain what to make of people seeing not deer. With the wasting disease. A few weeks ago, we had, we had pictures up of, of deer suffering from chronic wasting syndrome, also known as zombie deer virus. And I could see somebody looking at, the, looking at that in the night. And going, yeah, that's a deer, but that's not a deer. But as far as I know, and I think it's pretty safe to say, there's no wasting syndrome that causes deer to grow 12 feet tall. There are things out in the woods. There is strangeness out there. So the next time you go out in the forest, be safe. Never hurts to take a little bit of extra time to prepare yourself for the unexpected. 
Thank you for joining us this week on Strange Pathways. Head on over to our Facebook page. We're going to have a few images associated with the tales you heard here today. If you'd like to get in contact with me, you can do so at strangepathwaysmail at gmail.com. Go out there, tell your friends, tell your family, mention it on, on message boards. You know that you have a friend somewhere that's going to love this show. And it's, it's amazing. We've been getting, on YouTube, on YouTube, we've been getting an average of two new subscribers every day. I know that's not a lot, but it's special to me. It's special to me. Thank you so much for joining us again this week on Strange Pathways. Take care of yourselves and each other. Mm-hmm.